Chapter 19 We left straight from the mall, hopping on a bus out to the gardens, which is clear across the city. On the way, I tried to catch up on my homework. I had missed a lot of classes that day, so I borrowed class notes from my friends. Rachel kept perfect notes. Tobias had terrible notes with all kinds of little drawings in the margins. It took a while before I could figure out what they were. They were buildings and peoples and cars, the way they look from high up in the sky. I don't really need to go in, Tobias said as we pooled our limited cash to buy tickets. I'm happy with just my hawk morph. I don't want to be anything else. I think that's a mistake, Rachel said. Our one real weapon is the power to morph. We should acquire as many useful morphs as we can. What kind of animal morphs are going to be able to deal with Visser 3 when he turns into that big monster that ate the Andalite? I asked. There was nothing in this zoo or any other that was going to kick that big monster's butt. Marco winked. Fleas? No one can kill fleas. We'll itch him to death. I had to smile. So now you're suddenly Mr. Helpful? No, I'm just so scared I'm getting weird, he said. I haven't done this morphing stuff. You guys all have. I'm not even a full-fledged anamorph yet. I'm still normal. I still feel normal, Cassie said. She looked troubled. Cassie, you can turn into a horse, Marco said. Very few normal kids can do that. It's different for Jake turning into a lizard. He's always been a reptile. I took a good-natured swing at Marco, but he dodged it. It was cool having Marco with us, even if he was giddy. It took about half an hour to reach the main gate of the gardens. I climbed down from the bus feeling nervous. Not at all like I usually felt going there. I mean, the gardens is just about my favorite place to go, normally. But normally, I'm not going there to get personal with dangerous animals. The main part of the gardens is the rides. They have all the usual stuff, like roller coasters, which are my personal favorite, and ferris wheels and water slides. But they also have the animal part, which is like a zoo, only cooler. They do dolphin shows, and there's this whole section where you can get close to some of the safer animals. And this monkey habitat they have is like a whole monkey city, practically. Anyway, if I were an animal, and I had to be in a zoo, I'd want to be here. Cassie led us to the main building, which holds all kinds of exhibits. It has everything but the really big animals that need lots of space. Those animals are farther out, mostly, in big grassy habitats that look like parks. Parks with walls and moats and fences around them. The main building is supposed to be like a rainforest, I guess. It's where they keep animals that need to be warm all the time. There's a pathway that winds around with tall tropical trees overhead, with bushes here and there between the exhibits. Some of the exhibits are tiny, and some are really big, like the area they have for otters. It has a waterfall and a water slide for the otters to play in. We were near the otter habitat when Cassie stopped. Okay, now everyone stay together and try not to look too suspicious looking, she said. I'm taking you inside. Inside where? Marco asked. Well, the way it works is, there are walkways behind all these exhibits, that's how they feed the animals and give them meds or whatever. Meds are medicines. Sorry. She pointed to an inconspicuous doorway. Anyway, we can go in through there. It was an odd change from the outside to inside. One minute, we were in this fake rainforest. The next minute, we were in what looked like a hallway at school. Only the smell is worse. Kind of damp and moldy and musty. More like the boys' locker room. Okay, look, if any staff people stop us, the story is we're here to see my mom, Cassie said. Of course, it's so late in the afternoon she won't be here, I hope. Because if she finds out I've been dragging four of my friends around back here, well, 
I can't be saving the world from alien invaders if I'm grounded. Hopefully there won't be too many staff people around here at all. We shuffled along the hallway, feeling like we definitely did not belong. Which we didn't. On either side of the main hall, there were side paths that led to different exhibits. Unfortunately, the doorways to the exhibits just had numbers on them. I knew we'd have to rely on Cassie's knowledge to find our way around. Behind some of those doors were animals you didn't want to just walk in on. How do you guys feel about gorillas? Cassie said. She had stopped by one of the numbered doors. This is Big Jim's cage. He just came over from another zoo, so he's in his own private environment for now. He's very gentle. Slowly, it dawned on me what Cassie was saying. Oh, you mean, does one of us want to acquire his DNA? That's why we're here, Jake, Rachel pointed out. She batted her eyes at Marco. How about you, Marco? Haven't you always wanted to be a big, hairy guy? Marco didn't look like he was crazy about the idea, but I knew how to handle Marco. Maybe Marco should try something easier for his first morph, I said. You know, like a cuddly little koala or something. That did it. Koala, Marco said, giving me a dirty look. Open the door, Cassie. He hesitated. You said gentle, right? Gorillas are extremely gentle, Cassie said. Then, in a quieter voice, she added, Unless you make them mad. Cassie opened her backpack. She took out an apple and handed it to Marco. Here, you just open the door. The way it's set up, none of the visitors will be able to see you unless you walk clear out into the cage. Besides, there's an extra security gate, so we can't just jump out and you can't just walk in. So we just open the door and hope Big Jim feels like eating. Behind the door was a second door of steel bars with a little cutaway section for the handlers to shove the food through. The entire door opening was concealed behind a fake rock ledge so it wasn't visible to the people looking into the cage. But Big Jim noticed us right away. He climbed heavily down from his perch on a rock ledge and took a good look at us through the bars. Big Jim was definitely big. He had fingers the size of my wrist, but Jim didn't seem to mind us being there. Mostly, he seemed interested in Marco's apple. He looked Marco over, snorted like he wasn't impressed, then held out his hand. Hand him the apple, Cassie directed. He wants the apple. I loved your work in King Kong vs. Godzilla, Marco told the ape. He stuck his hand through the bars and held out the apple. With surprising daintiness, the gorilla lifted the apple and began to inspect it closely. Hold his hand, I said. Yeah, right, Marco laughed. When you acquire DNA, the animal goes into a kind of trance, I said. Go ahead, grab his hand and concentrate. Marco tentatively touched the gorilla's wrist. Nice, monkey. The gorilla ignored him. Big Jim was much more interested in the apple than in any of us. Concentrate, Rachel urged. Marco closed his eyes. The ape closed his eyes. This is so cool, Tobias commented. You realize that gorilla could pull Marco apart like he was a paper doll. Look at those arms! Marco opened one eye. Tobias? Being terrified gets in the way of concentrating. So how about if you shut up about his arms? Suddenly, I heard a whirring sound. I looked down the hall, then back. It was one of those electric carts, like a golf cart. It was coming toward us. Just act natural, Cassie hissed. Marco slipped out and she slammed the door on Big Jim. As long as it isn't a security guy, we're probably okay. The cart came up to us. Its driver was a man wearing a stained tan lab coat over his jeans. In the back of the cart were two very large white plastic buckets full of something brown and horrible smelling. Hey, you're Cassie, right? The docks kid? How's it going? Fine, Cassie said. 
She waved casually, and the man drove right on past. That was easy, Rachel said. He didn't even seem to care that we were back here. Well, what's next? Cassie wondered. We were at a four-way corner. There were blank, white-painted hallways in all directions. An electric golf cart was parked there, too. What are we near? I asked. Cassie thought a moment. Okay, that walkway leads to the outer exhibits. That one leads to the office and storage facilities. These two go around the main building exhibits. We're close to... let me see... um... Bats and snakes that way. The jaguar and the dolphin tank that way. Rachel started down the hallway to our right. Dolphins! I love dolphins! Wait, Cassie said, trotting after her. What are we going to do with dolphin morphs? I think we should go out to the big exhibits, Marco said. Let's get serious about this. We need firepower. Come on. Let's stick together, I said, as Marco started down the hallway. I reached out to grab him before he got too far away, and that's when the voice yelled, Hey! Hey you! What are you kids doing back there? I saw a guy in a brown uniform. Security! Cassie yelped. Oh man, they'll take us all to the office. They'll call my mom. I do not want to explain this to her. Split up, I said, trying to sound like a leader. Just like at the construction site. One guy can't get us all. This guy looks like my grandfather, Rachel said. Not like that hork that was after us. You kids hold on! Oh man, oh man, Cassie said. With that, she took off down one hallway. Rachel and Tobias went after her. Marco was already 20 yards down the other hall, the one that led to the large exhibits. I ran to catch up. The guard reached the corner. I saw him glance toward Tobias and the girls. Then he looked at me and Marco. I guess Marco and I looked more suspicious, because he chose us. Stop! You kids better stop! Let's grab the golf cart, Marco said. Steal a golf cart? If we don't take it, the guard will. Good point. We jumped in the cart. Marco slid behind the wheel. He turned the key to on. He looked at me. Just like driving bumper cars, right? Only you try not to hit anything. He put his foot down on the pedal. The electric motor made a whirring sound, and we took off. Straight into a wall. Bam! Hey, try steering! I yelled. We backed up and took off again. We picked up speed. Enough to pull away from the guard, but when I looked back, he was still jogging after us. He's gonna have a heart attack, I said. Which way? What? Which way? I turned around to face forward. We had reached a T-corner. Right! I yelled. Naturally, Marco turned left, and I nearly fell out. Almost immediately, we reached another corner. This time, Marco did choose right, and I did fall out of the cart. I hit the linoleum and rolled. Then I was up and racing to catch the cart. What are you doing? Marco demanded when he saw me. Quit playing around. I just gave him a dirty look and climbed back in. I think we lost the guard, Marco said. I'm fine, thanks for asking, I said. Just a few bruises, maybe a cracked skull, nothing serious. Where do you think we are? I think we are in the longest tunnel I've ever seen, I said. It was more and more like a tunnel now. The floor was still linoleum and the walls were still whitewashed, but the lights were getting more spaced out, so you definitely had a feeling you were underground. I wonder if they caught the others, Marco said. Now do you see why it's crazy to think we can beat the Yerks? I mean, come on, we barely beat the zoo security. We haven't beat anyone yet, I said grimly. Look! Way up ahead, there were two guys in brown uniforms. Maybe they don't know who we are, Marco suggested. They might think we're regular employees. Maybe, but not if they get a good look at us. I pointed. There's a turnoff. Take it. We turned. At the same time, the guards started yelling. The side corridor grew narrow. 
Too narrow for the golf cart. Digit! I jumped out. Marco jumped after me. We could hear the guards' footsteps as they ran down the main tunnel. These guys were in better shape than the old man. These guys could run. The corridor ended abruptly. There were two doors, one a little to the left, one a little farther to the right. They were labeled P-201 and P-203. No help at all. Pick a door, Marco said. I took a deep breath. Door number one! I opened P-201. A blast of fresh air hit me. Sunlight blinded me. I blinked, trying to get my eyes to adjust. The rhinoceros blinked too. Ah! I yelled. Ah! Marco yelled. We jumped back and slammed the door. Wrong door, Marco said. Definitely wrong, I agreed. Hey, you kids, stop right there. The guards were just at the end of the corridor. Gotta try door number two, I said. Do it. We opened the door and ran through. There were trees all around us. Trees and grass. We were in the shade. Sunlight filtered down through the leaves. Just ahead, the bushes gave way to open grass. Where are we? Marco asked. Like I know? We worked our way through some bushes, keeping a careful eye out in all directions. We didn't see any animals, just some birds up in the trees. Hey, there are people, Marco said. He dropped down behind a bush and pointed. There were people lined up behind a railing. They were high up, or else we were low down. I parted the bushes to get a better look. The people were leaning against a railing at the top of the high concrete wall. They couldn't see us because of the bushes, but they were definitely all staring at something. We're definitely in one of the habitats, I said. Those people were looking at... at whatever is in here with us. I'm just hoping it isn't that rhino. That thing was way too big. How do we get out of here? I don't know. Let's just get away from the door. Those guards will be coming after us any second. But, you know, in the back of my mind, I was thinking... Hmm, why haven't those guards come after us yet? Marco and I crawled through the bushes and around the base of the big trees. We reached a corner of the wall, hidden from all the people above. That is an awfully high wall, Marco observed. That's got to be 30 feet high. This is not good. That wall is high for a reason. There's something in here they don't want to escape. I scanned the wall. There was a steel ladder set into the concrete about 50 yards away. I guess that's the way out. Let me ask you something, Marco said. Why haven't the cards come in after us? I mean, if this was like the deer and antelope exhibit, they'd come right in, wouldn't they? We have to think, not panic, I said. I am trying not to think about why those guards didn't come in here. I moved back into the shadows of the bushes. Besides, maybe there's nothing in here at all. I squatted down on my haunches. My butt touched something warm. I had a terrible feeling right at that moment. I looked up and saw Marco. Normally, Marco has a kind of dark, tanned face, but his face was white, and his eyes were very large. Marco? I said very slowly and very quietly. Is there something behind me? He nodded. What is it, Marco? Um, Jake? It's a tiger. Chapter 20 a male Siberian tiger, to be exact. Ten feet long. Seven hundred pounds of deadly speed and unbelievable power. You know those old Tarzan movies you see on TV sometimes? Where Tarzan is wrestling a tiger? And actually winning? Let me tell you something. You want to know what your chances are of wrestling a tiger and coming out alive? They're about the same as your chances of jumping off the Empire State Building and surviving. I have an idea, Marco said shakily. 
Let's leave. Don't run, I said. It might just get his attention. I think he's noticed us, Marco said. I think he knows we're here, Jake. I think he's looking right at us. Look at his teeth. Don't freak. I have an idea. The morphing. If I acquire him, it'll put him in a trance. Acquire? Acquire what? You can't acquire anything about him. He's the acquirer, and you're the acquiree. He's going to acquire your butt for dinner. He's going to acquire you and spit out the bones. I swallowed hard. I tried to touch the tiger, but my hand was shaking too much. I took a couple of deep breaths. I heard somewhere that's supposed to calm you down. I guess it works. Unless you're practically sitting on a tiger. Then absolutely nothing calms you down. Nice tiger, I whispered. He just watched me. He had this lazy, who cares look. This look of total, complete, absolute confidence. Almost like he thought I was funny. Like maybe he enjoyed watching me shiver and shake. Please don't kill me, I said. Don't kill me either, Marco added. I reached my shaking hand toward the tiger. His eyes followed my hand. I touched his flank. It rose and fell with his breathing. Concentrate, Marco whispered. I was already concentrating real hard on the tiger. I was concentrating on his teeth. I was concentrating on the rippling muscles underneath his pale orange and black pelt. I was totally concentrating on the fact that he could swing that big, massive paw of his and send my head flying across the grass like a soccer ball. The tiger's breathing slowed. His eyes fluttered a little and slowly closed. How long does the trance last? Marco whispered. Well, about ten seconds after you break contact. That's what it was with Homer. Ten seconds? Ten seconds? Yeah, so be ready to run. I've been ready to run. I started to pull away, but then I hesitated. It was a strange moment, because right then I realized what I was doing. It hit me. The tiger was becoming a part of me. All that power and confidence was becoming a part of me. He's beautiful, isn't he? I said. I expected Marco to say something sarcastic, but he said, Yes, he's magnificent. Then he added, But let's get out of here before he shows us why he's king of the jungle. That's lions, I said. They're supposed to be king of the jungle, but let's not tell him that. You ready? He nodded. Now! I yelled. I jumped up and we tore for the ladder. In my head, I was counting off the seconds. One, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand. Something was moving. Fast! An origin black blur! Right then I realized it. Duh. There was more than one tiger in the habitat. I heard screams coming from the spectators above. I guess they could see us now that we were out of the bushes. Marco leaped and grabbed the rung of the ladder. He scrambled up. I was about one-tenth of a second behind him. The tiger leaped. His claws scratched the concrete just inches below me. And then he let out a roar that made the rungs of the ladder vibrate in my hands. <coughs> what a noise! It echoed and reverberated and made my insides turn to liquid. Marco practically flew up the ladder and over the side of the wall. I flew right after him. It's amazing how fast you can climb a ladder when there's a tiger roaring for your blood. There they are, someone yelled. Get them! Stop! Guards! At least three of them. Should we morph? Marco yelled to me. No, just head for the crowds. There, over by the dolphin tank. It was a close call, but we made it to a big crowd just a dozen feet ahead of the guards. From that point, all we had to do was hunch down and squirm between the people till the guards lost sight of us. 
We worked our way to the front gate, always crouching so our heads wouldn't show above the crowds. What, did you morph into a midget? It was Rachel. She was right in front of me, looking amused. Tobias and Cassie were there, too. The guards were after us, I said. I had almost stopped shaking from my close encounter with the big cats. Almost. Oh, quit playing around, Jake, Rachel said. Let's get out of here. I have to be home for dinner. It turned out the other three had not been chased at all. They'd lost the guards easily and had just gone on acquiring morphs while Marco and I were risking our lives in the tiger habitat. The most annoying thing was that none of them even believed our story. Marco and I were a little resentful over that. We climbed on board the bus and practically collapsed into our seats. We could have been killed, Marco said pouting. Really, I'm telling you. It was down to a few inches. Yeah, whatever, Rachel said. Don't obsess over it. After all, we still have tonight to deal with. Whatever danger you think you had today, it will probably be nothing next to what's going to happen tonight. Tonight, Cassie shook her head. And I haven't even thought about studying for that math test tomorrow. Rachel laughed. We may not have to worry about tomorrow. Thank you, little Miss Cheerful, Marco muttered under his breath. Hey, Animorphers, uh, I'm going to come up with a, a cool nickname one of these days. Anyway, this week's episode was brought to you by the unspeaking horrors of the nether realm Karak. May their wills never be manifest upon our existence, lest our tongue slither from our mouths and our eyes gouged from our sockets to better please our dark lords. And by the support of viewers like you. Thank you. If you have... Questions, suggestions, thoughts, etc., you can send those to audiomorphscast.tumblr.com or audiomorphscast at gmail.com. For the time being, you can still find this podcast at soundcloud.com slash audiomorphscast. Until next time, I've been Daniel, and I still don't have a cool sign-off. Bye!